after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples. Um, and he revealed himself in this way. So we're looking at the way that Jesus reveals himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, the family of Cain and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going out fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught them. Father, thank you for this time in your word. We're so grateful for the inscripturation of the scripture. Lord, that you inspired men by the Holy Spirit, and they wrote as the Holy Spirit, Lord, gave them uh, inspiration. Out came the word of God. And that word is so useful to us, so magnificently useful. So thank you that we can consider your word together. I pray that you would open our eyes and our ears to understand, remove hindrances to spiritual understanding. There are things that oftentimes hinder Sometimes it could be a God, Lord, an attitude of the heart. Sometimes it could be unresolved issues in our lives. Sometimes it could be sin. Whatever it is, I pray that by your grace and by your spirit, you would remove any obstacles to help us understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Help us, Lord. Help us not to just settle in into our normal sermon-hearing mode, but enable us by the Holy Spirit to hear with the ears of faith, God, Lord, that can really hear the Word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of Christ. So enable us to hear today, Lord. Enable me to hear. Enable all of us, Lord, not to take for granted, but to really hear with, Lord, with our hearts and, and to walk in faith. So we pray, God, for any obstacles, any hindrances, any demonic spirits, any work of Satan in our midst. We bind it and we rebuke him in the name of Jesus. And we pray that there would be a wonderful freedom of the word of God, that your, run, your word would run swiftly into our hearts, God, and so that we might grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so we thank you, Jesus, for We thank you for this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Peter is going fishing, but there's a problem. Peter, we, we've been going through this in, in verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Something's not right. Right? And we've been looking at that. Uh, we, we said that uh, in, in, in him saying going out fishing, it reveals three things. Reveals three things. It reveals number one that Peter is detached from the group. He, he really not, he's really detached. He's not united with the group. He's not united. There's, there's a individualism, right? Uh, secondly, Peter's statement reveals his self determination. He's going to do what he's going to do. Uh, I'm going to fish. I don't care what you guys are doing. I'm not, I really don't care. Uh, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to fish. And thirdly. Peter is going to return to his old occupation, fishing. Uh, these, are the, these are the signs. These are the signs. If someone has lost a vision for the call of God, this is what happens. The first thing is they detach themselves from the group. Secondly, they start to do their own thing. They walk in their own will. Every man does what is right in his own eyes, right? So many people come to church and they do what is right in their own eyes. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been in counseling. And I tell someone to do something, and they totally ignore me. 
and they do whatever they want. <laughs> and it's funny. I, I usually, and I, and I try not to be disrespectful. I say, look, at the end of the day, you probably do what you want. But <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you, okay? Because I've I, I just gotten used to it, you know? You know, you're, you're probably going to do what you want. At the end of the day, you know, we all look humble. Yes, Pastor. <laughs> and at the end, we walk out, we just do whatever we want. And it's amazing how many people, how many people are like that. And we just do whatever we want, you know? And um, so it's like whatever, you know? And um, so these are the signs. These are signs that indicate that Peter's not in a good place spiritually. And this, these things, I don't know about you, I've been there. I've been there. Have you been there? I've been there. You know, you know, walking with Jesus is not easy. You know, I, I've been the moment where I've lost my vision. I've become detached from the group. I start to do my own thing. Spend more time at Amazon.com. Right? Right? <laughs> right? Go shopping. Right? You ever been there? And you know that, you know, something like, you know, you're losing sight of what's important. And maybe some old desire that you have. You go fishing. Well, you may not be fishing, but you might be something else. So Peter, I love that's why I love Peter. I, I can relate with him because he's so imperfect. He's so weak. And I, I can relate with that. I know I do. Um, I can relate with that. So what happened to Peter? What, what caused him? What caused him? Well, Peter, I believe that Peter is still affected by his faith. Peter, you know, look at Matthew 26, 17, 75. Uh, after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you, you are one. You too are one of them. But you, you, your accent is crazy. The night that Jesus is being betrayed, right? And Peter, someone comes up, someone comes up to Peter and says, Hey, you're one of them. And Peter freaks out. Peter completely like chickens out like major. Right? Right? Chickens out. Instead of saying, Yeah, what was that to you, bud? <laughs> but you know, he's like, Ugh. look what Peter said. He, he totally like chickens out. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself. You know, verse 74, right? He begins to curse himself. Now, you ever, you ever, you ever try to prove somebody you know, that, that you're right? You know, usually when someone does that, they just they immediately lie. You ever, you ever people like that? Oh, yeah, man. You know, if I'm lying, let a, that lightning strike me. Yeah. Usually, that tells me they're lying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All about you know, Because, you know, usually when you know you, you don't have to convince nobody, you're, you're calm. Like for some, for example, somebody comes up to you and says, hey, your name is Bob. Now, Lewis says, no, it isn't, it's Lewis. I say, Lewis, relax. Your name is Lewis. You don't have to argue with him, you know? You know, you don't have to argue with him. You know, you know, we're settled, right? My name is Art. I'm not going to argue with him. Yeah. You're not going to say, well, they lightning strike me if my name is not Art. It would be, I would say, Art, they didn't call me. You know, like, you know, Right? But you saw people exaggerate like that. It's a sign. It's a sign. Lightning. He began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. Liar. Right? This affected Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus. He went out and wept. How? There, that we can't understand. Probably, some of you can. Some of us can. But no. Have you ever loved Jesus and done something that? Oh, 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 oh. I mean, you, you, 
hurts when you know you failed. Right? I've been there. And I'm talking about crying tears. Right? Because you know you failed. You know you've done something you shouldn't have done, right? And and you you, you just you, you've hurt the one who loves you. Oh yes, sin sin has that awful like experience when you when you think you're strong and suddenly you, you do something you, you that you really are so shocked. Why did they do that for? That's what Peter was. But sometimes you know, in Peter's case, it didn't take some time Peter lost his vision. In Matthew 4 19, Jesus called Peter to follow him. I was fishing the night, he had a call. Jesus actually bound up. This is what really informs the gravity of the situation in John chapter 21. Why Jesus had to actually come from heaven and reveal himself in flesh and blood to Peter is because something is at stake. Jesus cannot let this hesitation go on. The gravity of the situation is that Jesus has bound up so much of building the church with Peter. <laughs> There's no plan B. Right? Matthew 16, go to Matthew 16, verse 15. And he said to them, Well, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son, the living God. And Jesus answered him, Peter, Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I tell you, you are Peter. I love that. You are, he's declaring destiny for, for, for Peter. Peter has no clue. Peter's like, Amen. <laughs> I like, I like that word. Very encouraging word. <laughs> I, don't like, I don't know what he thought. <laughs> but, Peter, but Jesus is about to say some phenomenal things about Peter. Phenomenal things. There's no way Peter understands all this stuff. I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you, Peter. I told you, first person, right? Uh, singular, right? Uh, that, that's a singular. He's talking through it. He's not talking to the disciples. I'm going to give you, Peter, the keys of the kingdom. So when I build, you can have access in. You can close doors. You can shut doors. You can do. I'm going to give you authority, Peter. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosened. So Peter is a very important figure in redemptive history because Jesus is going to build his ch church, but he, he bound so much of it with Peter. Here is Peter. You see the problem? <laughs> I hope you can see that this is a problem. Uh, I got plans for you, bud, and you're going fishing. Right? <laughs> right? And that happens to all of us. Every, every single person, God has plans for you. And his plans are magnificent. Like glorious plans he had for each and every one of you. Glorious plans. And oftentimes we go fishing. And we're like, well, praise the Lord, I'll be good tomorrow. I'll go there. <laughs> like, we don't, the call of God, we, we don't value it. We, don't, we, we, we tend to despise what God, He didn't just save you to forgive you your sins and you come to church and go by it. He came to come a blessing to you, a blessing wherever you go, a blessing, right? And everyone has a unique call. But, but the idea of recovering, recovering the call of God in our lives, you know, 
So in what way was Peter specifically affected? And when he started to ask the question, what is it that, why did he lose his call? Why did he lose, he didn't lose the call, he lost his own perception, he lost the vision that God had for him. God still had it for him, but he, but he lost it. That has to be recovered. God is not going to continue until Peter is restored in his vision. Right? What happened? Peter lost, and we're going to start to talk about this. Peter lost all his self concept. And we look at that. Now, I want to give you a portrait of that in these next couple weeks to really give you a portrait of the degree of self Tremendous self Out of all the disciples, there's no doubt in my mind, he walked with the most confident. But after his failure, his self-confidence And we're going to see that. With this is a great thing of Matthew, right? In Matthew, Matthew 26, 31. This is, this is going to give us a portrait of Peter's, Peter's um, self-confidence. Jesus says in Matthew 26, 31, then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me. Jesus tells the disciples, you will fall away. All the disciples, without exception, will fall away. Jesus does not say there's a good chance that you might fall away, maybe 50-50. No, he says, You will all fall away. Now, I said last week that that word, fall away, carried moral implications. It's not just like, oops, they slip. It's moral. They, they're going to sin. In their falling away, it's sinful. It's not just falling away. It's not just that they got offended. Right? Um, look, look, look it up, Matthew 5, 29. It's the same word, the same word is used here. If your right eye causes you to sin, same word. Fall away. The same word is used. Jesus said, You will all be caused to sin. You're gonna, you're gonna fall away. You're gonna fall. You're gonna fall from grace. You're gonna sin. Where was that? I would like to be in a church service like that. <laughs> like, can we take a message? Where does Joe Holstein leave? You know, because the sin. Pretty, pretty, pretty uh, serious. And then Jesus, the word also stresses, the word also stresses, you will be caused to sin, but. Um, by external factors, that's where the cause, you'll be caused to sin. So the Bible makes a distinction between um, when we sin because of our own desires, but when we sin because we're caused to sin, right? There's two ways we can sin. I can sin by my, I have enough evil desires in my heart, I can sin by myself. I don't need your help, right? <laughs> but you can cause me to sin. <laughs> Is that is that is that it, right? Yeah. Somebody comes up to you and slaps you in the face. Yeah. And be like, okay, Lord, have mercy on myself. <laughs> or you pick up a bat and hit it right back. <laughs> right? So so right, if you, if you pick up a bat and hit it right back, I'm sorry, but you didn't do what honored God. 
But but the Lord recognizes. Look, you sin, but you you were called. See the difference? Um, so so God, in His loving kindness, He He sin is sin, but He makes distinctions. You know, He, he understands that um um that so, sometimes you're caused to sin. Sometimes you can be in places, people can aggravate you or put you in a, in a situation that you're caused to sin. God doesn't excuse it, but He understands. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? You know, you know, still to be loving, still to be you know. Right? Someone can really irritate you and then you scream. Well, that's sinful. Right? God doesn't want you to scream. So, someone aggravates you and you curse them out in a, in a moment, right? God doesn't want you to curse them out. That's sinful. That's bad. But God recognizes that we're sinning by nature. Pretty simple. It means redemption sin. And that's why he says, whoever calls one of these little ones to sin, right? Better than you, right? Right? The living said it would be better for him to have a great multitude on his head, right? So God is recognizing that he's not really his focus is not the little ones, it's the one who causes them to sin, right? Um, but the little ones are sinning. Right? Does that make sense? The little ones are sinning. They're, they're, they're doing something that's not pleasing to God, but the Lord is recognizing, oh, we know what this is going to be. They're being caused. All right. Then Jesus, secondly, Jesus tells the disciples that they will fall away because of him. Let's go back to Matthew 26, 31. This gets even more complicated because you will all fall away because of me. Very, very controversial. Uh, what do you mean, Jesus? Um, how can Jesus be the cause of someone sinning? He's not directly. So Jesus is not ever cause one to sin. But he's speaking in terms of he, there's going to be something, there's going to be a way that Jesus responds that is going to offend them. Alright? So, you know, this does not mean that Jesus is going to entice them to sin. So don't think that. Oh, you know, if you smoke crack tonight, oh, Jesus calls me to smoke crack. No, 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 no. No, no, Jesus does not cause anyone to violate God. But it does mean that oftentimes Jesus does things or does not do certain things that can trigger in us an evil response to how, what he does or what he does not do. Right? You're asking God, right? You're asking God. Oh, uh, heal my daughter. She is sick. In three days she dies. You get upset at God. How dare you? Right? Uh, right? Um, his lack of answering your prayer can cause you to sin. That's not his fault, and it's not his problem. It's our fault. It's our problem. It's the way we respond to our expectations of Jesus. Does that make sense? That's what he's talking about here, because of me. Today I'm going to continue and pick up, and just going to carry one more, and then we'll, we'll, we'll begin next week. But the Lord brought me to this part, and we're trying to be in moral this morning. So tonight, today's a warning. I don't know why, but I feel like the Lord wants to give us all a warning. And I, that's why these scriptures are so good. Uh, 
I'll you know, continue to look at and, and, and this, this example that Peter felt confident. I'm going to take on one more, one more instance in 26, uh, verse, uh, chapter 26, verse 31. Jesus tells the disciples, you will fall away. He tells them that you will fall away because of me. And thirdly, um, Jesus tells them, you will all fall away because of me. This There's a massive warning here. Massive warning. All of them. Jesus tells his disciples, you will fall away, not tomorrow, not next week, not when the storms come. <laughs> you know, we always think like it's somewhere. No. In just a few short days. Imagine that. Put yourself in the, in the shoes of the disciples for a moment. Right? Um, I mean, this, is, this is, must have sounded absurd to the disciples. Um, I think you can argue that at this moment in time, first of all, the cross hasn't come, and Jesus has not been returned back to us yet, right? He's about to. They have no idea that the drama is the plot is thickening. At this point in time, they're like so excited to be with Jesus. He's done miracles. Men that life is good, right? They love him. There's no reason to anticipate trouble. There's nothing to, to alarm them. There's absolutely it's a beautiful night. Jesus is still there with them. Uh, everywhere he goes, he triumphs, he does great things, miracles, walks on the water. They're like, this is so awesome. And then out of the blue, right, out of the blue, he tells them, tonight you're going to actually sin. Tonight. Put yourself in this, no. Nah. <laughs> you're like, no, nah, come on, you're kidding. Tonight, I mean, come on, give me a break. Not tonight, Jesus. We love you. I mean, what could possibly happen, right? You feel that? That's why Jesus is speaking to these disciples. Says, You're going to fall away. You will all fall away because of me tonight. Just like that. What is the point? What, what are we to learn? Why this sudden, unexpected falling away from Jesus? What if I were to tell you that tonight you'll smoke crack tonight? You're like, no. Right? Can I? Can I? You know, right? Like, it's like weird. No, it's impossible. Impossible. Right? Can you think of something so like crazy that you can't even, you can't pick yourself ever doing? I believe that the disciples cannot picture them like being caused to be fall away because I don't think they can really conceptualize that. It's like, what? No way. No way. Me? Us? All? All of you. He says all. You will all fall away. Not two out of three. Not ten out of twelve. All of you, without exception. Is that a warning? Is that is that something like okay, Jesus? I was, as I was thinking about the prayer, I said, Lord, help me to understand what is it you're trying to teach us. 
Do you feel that? Do you feel the, the tension between? I know that we, we get so familiar with the story that we lose sometimes the reality of the situation. They're they just love Jesus. They love all kinds of people. They have no business. They have no way of knowing anything that's about to happen. They have no no reason to believe that anything that they're going to fall away. And suddenly Jesus comes with this word. I was like, my brother just woke up in a wrong side of the bed. He just take a chill pill. It's gonna be okay, Jesus. <laughs> you know, you have dreams. I'm letting dreams get to you. <laughs> I don't know, like, 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 what? But why this sudden? I believe that there are four things that we can learn. Four things that we can learn. First of all, this shows the exceeding symptoms of our sin. Right? Uh, look at Romans three. Romans three verse ten. I think. I think. I think that this is going to remind us how much we need God. How much? How much? There's nothing good in us. Absolutely nothing good in us. There, as it is written, none is righteous. How many are righteous? None. None. Zero. Not even Peter and Andrew and James and John. None is righteous. None. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have what? Verse 11. All have turned aside. Verse 12. All have turned aside. All have fallen away. All of us. No exception. The disciples are included. We all sinned. We've all, we've all, you know, right? Right? We've all there's nothing good in us. There's nothing good in the disciples. There's absolutely nothing good. And, and this night will prove, it will be proven once and for all. There's none good. Together they have become worth. No one, no one does good. Not even one. Three years of walking with Jesus is not enough. You think about that. Three years of walking, talking with Jesus, seeing miracles is not enough to settle the issue of sin. Does that make sense? These disciples walked with Jesus, talked with him, ate with Jesus, saw his miracles. They even went out. Jesus sent them out to proclaim the gospel. Jesus, they did miracles, and that was not enough to deal with the issue of my sin. Because the redemption of my soul is a very costly thing. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? The redemption. Look, look at Psalm 49. Psalm 49, 79. Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and never suffices. And that he should live on forever and never see the end. The ransom of our soul is costly. All the time that they spent with Jesus was beautiful, but it did nothing to atone for the problems. Does that make sense? Now we're starting to see that we need a savior. Religious forms, walking, reading our Bible, in and of ourselves, is not sufficient. Those are helpful. But we need something more than that, that only Christ can provide. 
than which he did at the cross. Right? Amen? Only Jesus Christ can provide the, the, the redemption of our soul. Amen? So the ransom of our soul is costly. It's costly. It's something that only Jesus can accomplish. What else can we learn? What else can we learn? When Jesus says to his disciples, go back to Matthew 26, 31. When Jesus says to his disciples, you will all fall away because of me this night, just in just a, in just a few short hours. Secondly, not only does it show the exceeding sinfulness of our sin, but it is a sobering warning to all the followers of Jesus. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 12. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. If the disciples who walked with Jesus and saw miracles and were utterly convinced, and he himself was able to declare, You are the Son, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he's going to be a make a mess of his life. What, what do you think about us? <laughs> right? Are we going to sometimes make a mess of our lives? You better believe it. Let anyone who thinks he stands, Take heed, lest he fall. I am capable of preaching here this morning and falling away from Christ tonight. I am capable. You, you know, that's so great. That's why when, when, when we get up in the morning, we can say, praise God, I'm not cursing his name. Praise God. Right? We take it for granted. We say, like, no, I read my Bible last night, so of course, I'm not falling. Are you kidding me? The only, the only reason we are here is because of the mercy of God. Thank you. Don't, don't ever take for... How many people wake up in the morning and they curse God the first thing? That could be you and me in a heartbeat. Take away. Not for Right? And so when you wake up in the morning and you have any desire for Jesus, you should... Praise God, thank you, Lord. My heart still longs for you. My heart still desires you. Not perfectly, but I, I, the thought of you brings a smile to my face. Don't take it for granted. Don't, don't be like, well, it's because I prayed in the past. No! <laughs> it's because of his mercy. Totally. The Bible says, I love, I love what it says in the psalm, that we enter into the temple in the abundance of mercy. That's, a, that's the only way to come into the temple. The only way to come into the sanctuary is in the abundance of God's mercy. Not self-discipline, not anything. Now, all those things are important. We're not putting those down. But at the end of the day, he is our only hope. Amen? When someone falls away, it's always because of pride. Look at Proverbs 16, 18. These disciples, you, you already started to see, you have an issue. Jesus said, you, you will all fall away, you will all be caused to sin, right? The word there is, uh, remember, remember what we said last week? Scandalizo. Scandals. It's gonna be, you're, like, you're gonna do a scandal. It, your sin is gonna become a scandal. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Right? There's something about pride in all of us. Pride and self-sufficiency. And we rely on we rely on things that are not we're not supposed to rely on other than the mercies of God. All the disciples fell away because of the deceitfulness of pride in their hearts. In fact, the lack of response, I was thinking, the lack of response from them, except Peter, but Peter fell away. <laughs> we'll, we'll 
get the theater's response in a few weeks, a couple weeks. But their lack of response, if somebody to tell you, like, hey, tonight you're going to shoot somebody and kill somebody, what do you say? You'd be like, are you crazy? Right? You'd be like, you're going to have some response to say, bro, what, what are you smoking? <laughs> These disciples didn't even respond. They didn't even respond. They didn't be like, well, are you sure about this? Um, how do you know this? Why are you telling us this? Like, we're going to all fall away. Okay, I'll do what you say. Okay, so what makes you believe that we're going to fall away? Right? 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 Isn't that normal? I'm scared. You just told me some things that you are like, I don't like what I'm hearing. You're just saying that I'm about to do something tonight that's really breaks my heart. They didn't, they didn't even say that. They're like, whatever. <laughs> Why? We all do the same thing. Let's go. We hear. We don't pay that much attention. Right? We hear. We hear. How much do we hear the gospel? We hear exhortation. We hear encouragement. We hear, and then we just hear it. And we don't really, we don't really pay attention. We take it for granted. We take our relationship with Jesus for granted. And pride keeps us from paying close attention to the words of God. And they didn't hear. They didn't hear. They should, they should be up on arms. They, they should be asking, Jesus, what do you mean I'm going to fall away? Slow down. Break it down to me. I need to understand why. This is terrible. You're God and you just said something. Right? Would that be a natural response? I think. That's why the book of Hebrews exhorts believers to take care of what we hear. What we hear. Look at Hebrews 2.1. Therefore, we must pay closer, much closer attention to what we have. Were they paying pay much closer attention to what Jesus had just said? I don't think so. They don't even respond to it. Hebrews 3.12-13. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day. Okay. Say that with me. Exhort one another every day. Let's say it again. Exhort one another every day. What are you going to do tomorrow? I can tell you that many times we hear things like that and we're like, whatever. And then tomorrow comes and we don't exhort anything. Right? To um, encourage, to uh, just encourage them um, is the idea of just helping them along. Give them words, usually through words, exhort them through words. Hey, brother, be, be encouraged to, to lift them up. The Bible tells them, exhort one another, not once a week, not twice a week, every day. And yet, many of us will go home and tomorrow, we won't make any effort to for anybody. Including me. I'll get busy. I'll get busy. The Lord's been putting my heart, you know, send out a text of encouragement. I feel like I want to do that. I don't have to reason. I don't have to reason. I just, I just want to, I feel like just, just exhort and encourage. Do it every day. 
That's exhorting one another. Wasn't that beautiful? Every day our phones, people are exhorting one another. That's the wonderful thing about having phones. You don't have to keep calling, you don't have to keep that. But it's like one another, oh man, watch that. I just sent this. We need to be encouraged. We need to be exhorted. I need to be exhorted. You need to be exhorted. I need to be encouraged. You need to be encouraged. And the Bible says exhort one another every day. Every day because there's the deceitfulness of sin. It's so easy to lose sight and to take for granted what we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? Thirdly, when Jesus, let's go back to Matthew 26, 31. Jesus tells them, you're all going to fall away, man. Fall away tonight. But he says this night, and was it true or not? It's true. <laughs> did it, did, was that fulfilled? That was fulfilled. That night they made a mess of their lives. The, the, what they least expected. Right? It was sudden. They had no clue. But the storm came, and it happened exactly the way Jesus said. But thirdly, why, so why is Jesus telling them? You know, sometimes it's always good to tell kids what, what's happening. Not always. Right? Sometimes it's good to you know, they don't even know. I, heard, I, I had someone down. Dad passed away. Mom is around. Home. And I asked him, you know, and the dad, and the, the father passed away suddenly. I said, well, what about mom? She's already struggling. She's already struggling. I get that, right? It's like, you know, she may not even remember, you know, like, like she, you know, she may just live her life, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that you need, you know, it's always about the kids, like, their faith, but sometimes you don't have to tell everything, right? As parents, we don't tell everything to our kids. Sometimes we're, you know, you can have some issues financially, and you're like, you know, tell us, hey, kids, you know, I got the creditors tomorrow coming, I took the job, you see a creditor just run to your room, and <laughs> right? But, you know, you don't have to tell everything to, you don't have to tell everything to your kids. But Jesus is telling you. They're going to fall away this night. Thirdly, this serves to promote humility of mind, to be humble and humble. Romans 12, 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Don't think of yourself more highly. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. The disciples will learn a valuable lesson. Never again to trust themselves. Never again to put any confidence in the flesh. Right? In this story, Jesus has us here for our example. This is an example for us. That if the disciples of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, can fall in a matter of hours, what does that mean for you and I? Right? We can fall in a moment. If we're not careful, right? We can, we can, if we're walking in our own strength, if we're walking in our own, we can fall. Just like the disciples. And one of the things that we learn in the school of Christ is lowliness of heart. Look at Matthew 11, 29. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly. That word lowly is the same word for humble. Humble. Humble in heart. Don't think too high of yourself. Don't, don't, um, don't think that you have all that. Jesus Christ is the only one worthy of all praise, glory, and honor. Or nothing. All we have is from Him. And if you can learn to live your life depending on God's power and resources, which is much better, then you're not going to fail. Amen?
he, he wants to teach you now that you have to go to the school. Because you have to learn. Learning is an activity that happens. He'll bring you to the school of Christ. And in that school, you will learn. One of the things that you will learn, you know, loneliness of heart is not a gift. A spiritual gift. <laughs> I wish it was, you know, just sad and lonely. <laughs> loneliness of heart. It's not like that. You have to learn it by walking with the Spirit. God's going to deal with you. Your mind, the way you think. Remove pride. Remove arrogance. Remove self-confidence, right? All these things that hinder us. They hinder us because they're really so, they're in opposition to the Spirit of Christ. And He wants us to have a loneliness of heart. And the disciples are going to that school. Amen? And finally, finally, when Jesus went to Matthew 26, um, 31, when Jesus said, this night is going to fall, I believe four things that we can learn. One is, um, it shows the exceeding sinfulness of our sins. Secondly, is a warning to all followers of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, it ought to promote humility of the mind. And fourthly, and this is beautiful, uh, it really shows their fall, the disciples falling away tonight, right? It really serves to show the endurance that that love of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Um, and it, it's going to really, his love for them will climax in their failure. Right? So it's just, it's just really how these things are. Um, really come together to reveal ultimately the love of Christ. But we don't like the context of how that's revealed, but we have to learn that, hey, at the end of the day, God is accomplishing his purpose despite their failure. And he's revealing something to them. Look at Psalm 103, verses 10 to 14. He has not deal with us, he does not deal with us according to our sins. Psalm 103, verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repays us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As the Father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Mm. Amen? Even though Jesus sees and knows their failure before they happen, right? Does he know that they're going to fail? Mm -hmm. Clearly he does. Can you, from the text, can you, what's his emotional state? Is it like, you guys are going to let me down. I can't believe you guys are going to do this, man. You guys are losers. All that I've invested in you. And you're going to do what? Gonna... Is that his attitude? When you hear the text, Jesus speaking to them as if he's speaking the mouth of the Sermon on the Mount. His emotional state remains the same. He's just telling them, you'll all fall away. He's not, he's not holding it against them. He's not saying, I'm so disappointed at you. He's he knows, he sees their failure. Isn't it, 
that? I mean, can you, do you get it? He sees their sin. He sees their depravity. He sees their failure. And he does not deal with them according to their sin. He's not holding it against them. Amen? And I think that these words are going to come back in their midst of the family. And they're going to realize, Isn't that beautiful? He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't talk to them in a different manner. He doesn't modify his plan for us. He says, you guys are going to fall. And, you know, this is going to have to happen. But you know what? I'm going to just take away a couple of things. No, nothing. You know, right now, their failure is not in their mind. That's Jesus telling them. They're going to fail. They're probably like, Mama. But Jesus sees their faith. Jesus sees what's happening. Jesus is kind of knows. He sees it. But he's not moved by it. He's not like, I can't believe you've done this. You know, no. They will put in a few short hours, they will come in contact with their failure in a very real way. It will be emotional, it will be real. And I, I believe that these words of Jesus are just such a great comfort to people who love him. He's not holding it. It is in our greatest failures, Lord, that we begin to understand the great love of God. You know that? It's not in the blessings. I've learned more about the steadfast love of God in my failures than I have in my blessings. Like, by far. God's ways are not our ways. Amen? You know, I mean, yeah, I don't want to fail. Trust me, I don't want to fail. I hate failing. But I thank God for the failure. Because, you know, I remember, I remember the first time this happened to me in my life years ago. It was over 30 years ago. I was just walking with the Lord. And I failed bad. And the Lord just came to me. And it reminded me of the story of Jacob. It was very similar. Jacob. He deceives his father. I mean, he's a mess, moral mess. He's an arrogant um, deceiver. And he breaks the heart of his father. And then he flees. He doesn't even own up. He doesn't like, well, I repent that. You know? No, he flees. You know, he flees. And he's fleeing. And, and with the help of his mom, right? He's fleeing. And his, his, his brother hate, just hates him. Broken. His brother wept. His father is wet. I mean, he's leaving a trail of family disaster because of his selfish deception. And he's on the run. And God catches up to him. And God grabs him by the neck. How dare you? Nope. I was so blown when I read this as a young Christian. I said, no, man, no, man, no. This can't be. This can't be. God catches up with Jacob. He says, son, I'm going to bless you, and all of this is yours. Goodbye. I was like, what? You didn't rebuke him? You didn't say nothing. The guy, his father's hurting. Lord, you made a mistake. That's just all. That was a word. <laughs> you know, I was so, I remember weeping when that story saying. Something like that happened to me. That, that, that story. And God blessed Jacob. 
get just clobbered with fog. Go figure. That's like, is that fair? <laughs> I thought we'd deal with Jacob. But it's not. But Jacob had to know something about the presence of God. And he got this encounter. And so a vision of this is none other than the house of God. And I believe that experience changed Jacob. Began to change Jacob. God began to not deal with him according to his sin, but begin to share his love for him. I'll, I'll I'm going to deal with your sin, but I want you to know, more importantly, I want you to know who I am. And I'm going to take this opportunity in the midst of the greatest family, your father, I want to show you what God is. That's what he did. Amen? And today God is known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob. <laughs> right? It is in our greatest family. Look, look at Numbers 14. Oh, we'll just close. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love. Just as you have forgiven this people for the evil they did. Numbers 14, 19. Do you have Pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love. If God's steadfast love is best seen in relationship to our family. I'll say that again. The greatness of God's steadfast love will be best seen in relationship to our family. He said, please pardon the iniquity of, that, of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love. In other words, if you want to encounter the greatness of steadfast love, that revelation will come to you in the context of God pardoning you, forgiving you. Meaning, you failed. You need forgiveness. You messed up. You screwed up. Right? Forgiveness presupposes Failure, right? <laughs> God doesn't forgive. I'm just going to forgive you. What? What did I do? No, you did not. I'm just going to forgive. It's not that nonsense. <laughs> like, first is a failure. First is some, some something that you right, and then it's in that context that the greatness of His steadfast love will be. Is that awesome? Difficult, but awesome. <laughs> Nobody wants to fail. Nobody wants to go through. Right? Nobody wants. To, right? We all want to like. The disciples, you know, they don't want to fall away this night because of it. They're not looking for that. They didn't sign up for that. They're, amen, right? But but they want God, Jesus wants to show them something, the greatness of his love for them. And you know what? You're going to go through this. You're going to fall away. But you're going to see that love. Amen? So let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time where we so deserve the warning Awful away because of this I pray, Father, I don't know that we're going through something maybe similar. Fail, maybe someone's about to. But I pray that when this is about to end, we will never give up on the love of God. 
You know the you know the path that we take. We pray that you will sustain us and keep us from falling. Lord, so him was able to keep us from falling. That is our promise. Praise God. But yet sometimes because of hidden stubbornness, hidden pride, undealt with issues in our heart, it is necessary that you allow things to take place in our lives so that we might be so great as of yourself as well. And I just pray that you uphold everyone in the mighty love of God. And the Lord, you would just encourage if anyone has fallen, if anyone has gone bravely, that they would see the kindness of God in their lives today. I pray for those, Lord, all of us, that if we think we stand, Lord, that you would help us to take heed lest we fall. Help us, Lord, not to take your word for granted. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray, oh God, Lord, let, let this word settle in our hearts today. When we stand, Abby, can you come? Uh, I'm going to sing a song before we leave. Um, Let's be patient and listen. I want to allow the Spirit of God to minister to anyone that's here. Um, and we'll, we'll, we're going to end in just a few minutes. But if you want us to sing, just pray. If anyone come, wants to come to the altar, we're going to sing that song that with every breath, with every breath I take, Lord, I will give you praise. But I don't know how the Lord has ministered to you today. But if He has, just just let him, let him let him let him encourage you today. With every breath I take, Hallelujah.